The unconscious often sends us dreams in order to change our perspective somehow. These shifts in perspective can transform our lives as we allow the dreams to work on us and through us. From dreams of lighthouses to plants sprouting from hands, rescuing the drowning to giving birth, I'll show you how to make sense of the language of dreams. Hello, and welcome to The Stuff of Dreams. I'm your host, Amy Lawson, MD, practicing pediatrician. I also have a master's degree in depth psychology, specifically in Jungian and archetypal studies. My goal is to connect you with your dreams in a more fun and meaningful way so that you can interpret the messages your unconscious is sending. I promised another episode on dreams of transformation since I've been seeing so many the last few months, as we all have suddenly a lot more free time to sit around and reflect. Or just more time to kill, that's probably more true for a lot of people. But I think the point is, we aren't living life on autopilot as much as we were before the pandemic started. So I think that gives our unconscious a lot of food for thought. And I'm seeing a lot of dreams come across that seem to be messages that are meant to really change our perspective somehow, change our way of looking at life or at some particular situation or problem. And so I've gathered a group of those for you today. So I have three dreams from Reddit for you and one of my own. And as always, I only use dreams with the dreamer's permission. So let's get to it. Here's the first dream. This one is really beautiful. So I hope you enjoy this imagery as much as I did. I had a dream where I was exploring a lighthouse and running through rooms and hallways trying to find the path to the tower of the lighthouse so I could climb the ladder to get to the top. There were all these tour guide ladies everywhere saying things like, I can't let you go up to the top, it's closed to the public. They weren't evil, but they were restrictive and I was sneaking around them because I wanted to see the view. I finally got to the room where there was a window that led to the tower of the lighthouse and I was so excited and began to jump through the window but then I realized I wasn't small enough to fit through the window. The window was shaped like a giant keyhole, as big as my hand, but not big enough for a person to fit through. And when I looked through it, I could see the ladder leading to the top of the lighthouse, but I couldn't get in. The keyhole was just in a concrete wall. There was no door. I just went home frustrated then, and then I woke up. Any ideas what this means for my life? Now's the time to pause if you'd like to try interpreting for yourself. Okay, so let's start with the dream setting and the dream geography. Could we be in a better place, right? So we're at a lighthouse, and so inherently that means we're near the ocean. We're on the shore. We're on the coast. We're at the border between land and sea. And since the ocean often represents the unconscious, we're really at that border between conscious and unconscious where so much good inner work gets done where we're able to bring up contents from the unconscious and start integrating them into our more conscious egos so that we can look at them, use them, and gain perspective from them somehow. And speaking of perspective, we're at a lighthouse and the dreamer wants to be able to get to the top of the lighthouse. She doesn't say why in her dream, but presumably it's for the view, right? That's why when we visit lighthouses, we want to get to the top. They're tall and we get a good view of all the surrounding scenery and the ocean and the rocks and the beautiful rolling hills. I'm thinking of the lighthouses on the east coast of the United States. I suppose not all of them have that. But lighthouses are inherently for perspective. If we're visiting them, it's to climb them and get a better view. So metaphorically, that's what they can be about. 
But even in their real use, lighthouses are placed in dangerous spots so that sailors and ships can get perspective on where the land is so that they stay safe. So whether you're looking at the lighthouse from on land or you're looking at it from the sea, lighthouses are meant to give you a different perspective. For the dreamer in particular, if she's able to get to the top of the lighthouse, presumably she would see more of the land of her consciousness and the ocean of her unconsciousness. She'd be able to take a bigger picture view and that might be part of the inner work that could happen then. But in the dream, she's running through rooms and hallways trying to find the way to the top of the lighthouse, but she's being blocked by these tour guide ladies who are telling her she can't go to the top, it's closed to the public. So that makes it seem like a privilege to get to go to the top and she doesn't have a special permission, so she's not able to go. Now, what might these tour guide ladies represent? Well, the characters in any dream often represent parts of the dreamer's psyche. And so when I think about these tour guide women, I think about older women that are maybe volunteering their time, but they're in charge They're keeping everything orderly. They're answering people's questions and helping them to navigate this tourist attraction. And so to me, that feels like an image of older feminine wisdom and authority, but also a part that's very wedded to the rules and a clear structure and hierarchy and who has permission and who doesn't. And I think a lot of us have parts of ourselves that have those characteristics. They've been installed by our families or by our culture, but by the people that have gone before us, by the older people in our lives who let us know what the rules are supposed to be and call us on it when we try to break them. And in general are older and wiser, but often seen by younger people to be too inflexible. So the dreamer says she was sneaking around them because she wanted to see the view. And I think that's something that we all have to do as we grow up is to figure out ways around those older authority figures and the rules that they have taught us because we have to figure out who we are on our own and we have to be free to break those rules or bend those rules or at least consider whether we want to, whether that would be truer to ourselves. So I wonder if this is a time in the dreamer's life when she is starting to question those parts of her socialization that she feels like are keeping her hemmed in, keeping her on the ground floor so that she can't go to the top of the tower and get a new perspective on her life. So she finally gets to the room where she can see the window that she would need to get through to get to the ladder to climb the tower. And interestingly, the window is shaped like a keyhole So it really is multiple kinds of access to this lighthouse, right? It's not only the window to go through, but it's shaped like a keyhole where if you just had the right key, you could open the lock and gain access. But the keyhole window is too small or she is too large and she can't fit through it. So she's still denied access to the tower of the lighthouse. The too small window makes me think about the wide path versus the narrow path, like even the metaphor in the Bible of the narrow path is much harder to go along, gain access to, that more people take the wide path because it's easier. So it could be that 
this window is too small for the dreamer because the way is still just too difficult for her to go through and start exploring the lighthouse. Or it could mean that the dreamer is too big in some way and needs to be able to shrink herself so that she can go through. Now, often the you in the dream, the one who's aware and feels like yourself, represents your conscious ego. So it's your consciousness. It's the parts of you where you usually live and act from. And so this dream could be some kind of commentary that that part of her is too big right now. It's trying to take too much control and that she needs to be able to surrender some part of its control and shrink herself, metaphorically speaking, so that she can get through the keyhole window and continue on her path of growth and discovery. But it still seems so important that this dream shows potential. She's there at the lighthouse. She's inside it. She finds where she needs to go. She can see the ladder and the tower. So she can't get through quite yet, but the potential is there. She's very close. And so even though one of the points of the dream is that the way is blocked right now, I still see a lot of motivation and potential in this dream. So that's the interpretation that I sent her, and here's the response I got. This is so insightful. I read it several times, and it really all resonates. Over the course of the day, I came to a similar conclusion, and it's nice to have your interpretation as a second witness. I didn't know about the connection between the ocean and the unconscious, and that feels right to me. And I think that I am too big rather than the gate is too small. I'll meditate on relinquishing ego control, although I don't really understand how to, haha. But even though I didn't make it through the portal this time, it's encouraging and makes me feel like clarity might be coming soon. I'll consider what exactly I'm trying to see in my unconscious ocean as well. Thank you for your well-informed and detailed response. It's way more than I hoped for when I posted this dream, and I appreciate your time and thoughts. No problem. Thanks for listening to me, and more important, thanks for listening to your own dream. Okay, here's our next one. I don't have any information about the dreamer, so I'm going to use the pronoun he. In the dream, I scratched the inside of my hand like it was a mosquito bite. It was right under where my driving callus is, under my left ring finger, and there was something green underneath it like a green scab. I scratched it, and it opened as four leaves and four sprouts came out of it. Then I jolted awake and was all checking my hand. Any interpretations? I'm so wigged out by it. Somebody else had given this dreamer an interpretation that was pretty negative, and that didn't quite feel right to me, but I'm very careful about there can be many different ways to interpret a dream, and I don't argue with people and tell them that their interpretation is wrong. I just like to offer alternate perspectives if I see a dream that I really have a different vibe from. Because to me, this dream seemed really positive. There's a little break in the skin, a bite or a little wound that's covered by a scab. And let's talk about the location of it first. It's the fourth finger on the left hand. Well, hands are our instruments for getting things done in the world. And he mentions that this Scab is where the driving callus is on his hand in real life. And so, like driving from gripping a steering wheel, that too is an image of moving around in the world, of driving, of being in control, of making things happen. 
And so that's one thing I think about the location of where this happens on the hand. There's another possibility for meaning that comes from some archaic bit of trivia that I learned in med school, which is that the reason that we started putting wedding rings on the left ring finger, I don't know when that was, like Victorian times or before, I don't know, but in the distant past when that became a tradition, the reason they chose that left ring finger is because at some point some anatomist had thought that he could trace a blood vessel that led directly from the left fourth finger to the heart. And so people thought that was the closest place on the body that was directly connected to the heart where you could put jewelry or whatever. So this location of the wound on the hand could also be related to romantic love or connection or relationship or even marriage. And now let's go on to what actually happens in the dream. The dreamer scratches the scab off the wound and then four leaves and four sprouts come out of it. So I'm seeing a picture of like these four green leaves erupting from the hand and kind of getting bigger and enlarging and spreading. And that scares the dreamer awake, it sounds like. So what does it mean that a plant was coming out of his hand? Well, to me, that's blooming, that's blossoming, that's new life coming. That's something growing where it hadn't been growing before. So it could mean a time of you know, fertility, metaphorically speaking, where new parts of the dreamer can grow, where little buds are forming and maybe they'll grow big enough to bear fruit. Who knows? So connecting that back to what the meanings of the location on the hand might mean, if there's a plant blooming out of this part of the finger because it's related to driving and hands being the things that manipulate objects and help us get things done in the world, then this new plant could symbolize some new project or place to go or direction that the dreamer is trying to get to. Or if the location is more related to that wedding ring place, then it could mean that new things are going to come up in the dreamer's love life, possibly new connections or at least some tender young buds that are, you know, that maybe if they're tended, they could grow into something bigger. Oh, and I can't forget the number. It's four leaves and four sprouts, and four is often a number that's considered a representation of wholeness or perfection. It can be a number that represents completion. And so I think that's another good sign that whatever comes out of this is going to be something good. So linking this back to today's topic of changing perspective, I think that this dream is encouraging the dreamer to really stay open and look for where in the dreamer's life those plants might be ready to start growing right now. I think it's a message to change from having a more passive point of view to being more active. So the dreamer's response was, this definitely resonates with me. I've been reconsidering my life purpose over quarantine as I want to give back to the world more. Also, I'm at the point in life where I feel open to start looking for my soulmate as well. Thank you for sharing. Okay, you ready for the next one? It's a little bit longer, but it's still not super complicated and 
I think it carries a pretty clear message, so here we go. This is by far the strangest and most vivid dream I've ever had. So you know that's why I had to interpret it, right? I love it when I hear that. It automatically means that the dream is important somehow. The dream began where I observed myself inspecting this massive floating ball of water. There was an old, rough-looking, bearded man there with me. His presence felt like a mentor or teacher. He never says a word, but I act as if he's just given me a task or a trial. In the water, things start to pop into existence and float there. First, there are inanimate things, a wooden chair, a bowl, and I think maybe some sort of fruit. I don't move. Then people begin to appear. They float inside and struggle to find a surface to swim to. I immediately dive in and pull them out to safety. This repeats with various kinds of people in increasing numbers, and I manage to save them all, but I get the sense that the teacher isn't satisfied. Then a single infant appears and flails around with no understanding of how to save itself. But when I dive in, I cannot orient myself in the water, because it's a globe. Inanimate objects bump into me and block the infant from view. It's as though I'm swimming in place like the people I saved previously were. It strikes me that if I keep trying, we'll both drown. As soon as I think this, I can move, and I swim out to save myself. The infant drowns, and I'm devastated, but the old man seems satisfied. The ball of water falls and spreads out over the ground like a mirror, think of the salt flats, and reflects the blue sky so the earth and sky seem like one thing with only a mountain horizon separating them in all directions. The scene shifts again, and the pair of us are flying at impossible speeds along this mirrored ground, close enough that I can reach out a hand and skim the surface, causing a ripple. I am elated, and my teacher seems happy, but reserved, as he follows. As the mountains come closer, a golden twinkle at one of the tallest peaks catches my eye. It is a colossal golden hand, open with its palm toward the sky. I have a sense that this is our destination, and I get excited to have finally found it. I woke up before I got there. Okay, so I know that one was long, so let me summarize it for you. There's a huge floating ball of water, and an old bearded man, and the dreamer sees first objects popping into the water, and then people. So the dreamer continues saving the people, and then the infant comes, and she tries to save it too, but she can't move, and she can't make any headway until she saves herself but leaves the infant to drown. Then the water falls down to the ground, and the two of them are flying along it toward the mountains at the horizon, and at the top of one of the tallest ones is the golden hand. Okay, so we start with a big ball of water that's floating in the air, and that feels a little bit different than the ocean to me. You know, when when we talk about the ocean, we always talk about that it symbolizes the unconscious. But when we have a ball of water that isn't quite affected by gravity, that doesn't quite feel like totally the unconscious to me. So I wonder if this is more related to some border in between or, you know, it's definitely at least not really deep unconscious stuff that's happening in the water. And the old man seems like a mentor figure, the dreamer says. I think he's probably a representation of the self, our inner self that deeper inner wisdom that we all have because it often appears as old men or it can appear as perfect kind of things like diamonds or cubes or crystals but he's clearly some kind of teacher or mentor that she's trying to 
satisfy somehow, like he's putting her through trials. So people start to appear in the water, and they're floating inside this ball of water and trying to figure out how to swim to one of the surfaces. So the dreamer feels like she needs to save them, and she keeps diving in and pulling them to safety. Well, what do these people represent? Probably parts of herself in some way, and they're parts that are in danger somehow, or who aren't quite able to navigate the water, who aren't quite able to get themselves out of the unconscious, who don't quite have the right orientation to be able to swim the right way. And so she's trying to protect all these parts and keep them all afloat, even though it's taking up a lot of her time and energy. And clearly her teacher, mentor, old man is... If not quite disapproving of this, still, she says he doesn't quite seem satisfied with what she's doing. So it doesn't seem like she's meant to just spend her life trying to keep all of these people, all of these parts of herself, all of these personalities viable and alive and able to act. So in my view, then, he gives her something even more difficult, because instead of putting a bunch of people in there at once, it's just one single infant. And that baby doesn't even understand, like the older people did, you know, that, hey, if we swim, maybe we'll get out of here. The baby is just going to drown. So that seems like an even stronger stimulus to make the the dreamer really want to save this helpless infant, which probably represents a really primitive part of herself that can't take care of itself at all. But once she jumps in and tries to save it, She says she can't even orient herself in the water. A bunch of objects are keeping her from being able to see the infant anyway, and she's not really able to swim and move in any direction. She's just stuck in one place. So she realizes that she's not going to be able to help the infant, but if she keeps trying, she's going to drown too. And so basically she has to sacrifice the baby. She has to let the infant drown so that she can be free to get up out of the water. And as soon as she has this thought, she can move, and she does save herself. She's really sad that the infant drowned, but clearly the old man teacher is satisfied with this. This is how she was supposed to respond somehow. Well, that may seem like a bad, graphic, gruesome image, letting a baby drown, but there are parts of ourselves that we have to let go of so that we can develop the other more mature, more helpful, more realistic parts of ourselves. And so that does feel like a death of certain other parts. It can even feel like, you know, leaving them to drown and abandoning them even when they need help. But sometimes that's what we have to do, at least at certain points in time. And so it seems like this dreamer's test was, can you let part of yourself die to save the rest of you. And when she's able to do that, she's reunited with her teacher and they go on another adventure. So the water spreads out along the ground. So now we can see it all. It's really thin and it's reflecting the sky. She says it's become like a mirror. And so that's a nice change. Instead of a ball of water floating and trying to drown people, now it's a a mirror that they can fly over really quickly and she can run her hand along the surface and it's beautiful and she can see the sky and all the mountains around. 
And so they're traveling toward these mountains and she sees at the peak of one of them a golden hand, palm facing up toward the sky. Well, to me, this vast vista of water and mountains around really seems like it's filled with a lot of potential. There's so many places and directions to go. And a golden statue at the top of one of the mountains seems like it would represent a peak experience, a spiritual experience. Doesn't necessarily have to be religious, but at least spiritual. And it's made of gold, so it's valuable. And it's a palm facing up. So that feels like, you know, being ready to receive from the universe or something like that. You know, it's an image of being open. And her teacher is helping her to fly quickly toward that, guiding her and helping her get closer to that spiritual destination symbolized by a rich gold statue. So I think that's an image of, you know, her inner self is ready and able and willing to guide her in new directions. So her response was, this all actually hits home really hard. I've been reading a bit of Jung, and it feels like I knew sort of what you said, but you articulated it for me. So I think that means it's pretty spot on. The last thing I'm left wondering is, why a golden hand? Is there any special significance for a hand? So we talked a bit more about that, about how hands can be seen as, you know, vehicles with which we interact with the world. We can touch things, we can move things, we can manipulate things and create things with them. And she got back to me that she's always had a thing for hands. She says it's the most attractive part of a man for her, especially when they gesture a lot. And also that she's an artist and she loves drawing expressive hand gestures. And so I think that's why her unconscious chose the image of a hand, because it knew that that would be something that it would really make sense for her to want to be motivated to move toward. And a golden hand just seems like a really expensive and prized and valuable goal for her journey. So to link this back to changes in perspective, I think the main change in perspective this dream urged was to realize that you have to lose parts of yourself in order to empower the other parts to be able to move further on their journey. And so it's a change in perspective to see some sacrifices not as awful and bad and horrible and to be avoided at all costs, but as necessary. Okay, last dream, and this one is mine. I actually had this dream on the first day that San Francisco was completely locked down for quarantine after the pandemic started. I dreamed, I'm pregnant and in labor, although it's a few weeks early. We go to the hospital and they put me in the end bed in a room that can hold three women, but I'm the only one there right now. I'm laboring on my hands and knees because that feels right for my body. I keep having terrible cramps in the back of my left thigh that finally the nurse is able to numb with some sort of device and I'm relieved. I deliver the baby and it's a little girl. I feel kind of neutral about having a baby. Then I'm at church with mom and the baby's three weeks old. Either dad or my husband has her, I can't remember which, and I tell mom that I better go check they aren't handing her around and letting everybody hold her because I don't want her to get sick. Then I'm returning to work, feels like I'm going back to academic medicine like my old job, and I'm talking to my boss to give him an update, and at the end I say, 
Oh, and I had a baby. He hadn't known, and he doesn't seem pleased. He warns me that I shouldn't let it affect my job and that he has concerns about my productivity now. So there were three parts to the dream, having the baby, then being at church with the baby and being worried that she's going to get sick, and then going back to work and my boss not being happy that I had a baby. There were a lot of threes in this dream, three parts. I was in a room with three labor beds. In the middle part, the baby was three weeks old. And three is often a number of transformation and potential. In depth psychology, we talk about the transcendent third, meaning that if you have two opposites or two things that you're stuck between, often some third option or opportunity or new image will come up that offers a resolution without having to choose just one of the two extremes. So three is a number of transformation, and I immediately thought that this dream was probably about changing perspective somehow. So the first part of being pregnant and having a baby kind of creeped me out because I have never wanted children. I'm a pediatrician. I love taking care of other people's children, and then I send them home, and that is fine. Um, I'm an excellent aunt, and I enjoy my nieces and nephews very much. I just never really wanted the 24-7 job, so I'm feeling pretty neutral about having a baby in the dream. And it's painful. It's interesting that the cramps I'm having are more in my left thigh than in my abdomen. Um, my left thigh is actually where I had my cancer many years ago. And my left leg is still like the weak one that I'm trying to do a lot of therapy on right now. So this could relate to that as a, as a new project, as a birthing. But somehow this baby represents something new that I'm bringing into the world. And then I'm at a church with my family and the baby's three weeks old and I'm worried that too many people shouldn't touch her or she's going to get sick. And that may sound like a reference to the pandemic, but actually I've always felt that way. Um, <laughs> there We're a little more lax about it now, but when I first did my training, any baby who was less than three months old who came in with a fever got a spinal tap because they're at such high risk of infection somewhere and they can't really tell you where their symptoms are. So meningitis would be the worst case scenario that it's hard to rule out. And so I would get furious when I saw little tiny babies out in crowds for no reason, like, you know, out at the baseball stadium or at a festival or something. I don't think babies have to stay home all the time, but I think there's such a thing as too risky and too many people around. But anyway, so it makes sense to me that I'm worried about the baby. So that seems like progress from the first part where I was like, I was kind of neutral about having a baby at all. At least now I'm trying to protect the baby and I don't want too many people handling it. And then in the third part of the dream, I'm back to work in medicine. I spring it on my boss that I had a baby because I guess he didn't know. And he's worried that it's going to affect my job and that I won't be able to be as productive because I'll be distracted or won't have enough time. So whatever project or product of my life this baby is representing, that part of the dream seems to mean that it might be in conflict with the other aspects of my life or my work. Well, when I thought about the dream back then, I definitely changed my perspective a little bit on the lockdown because I thought this dream was saying that something is going to come of this. I'm going to give birth to something new. This is a fertile time for growth somehow. 
even if it's something that I'm going to have to protect from other people and that might conflict with my medicine or my job. At that point, I wasn't thinking about starting my podcast, but I guess I started it three or four weeks later, suddenly. I mean, I'd had the idea for months, but I wasn't serious about it at all. I was just like, oh yeah, that might be something fun to do in the future. So I think that this dream was foreshadowing my podcast, actually, and my getting back into the dream interpretation work that I hadn't really been doing very much at the time. And it does feel like a little bit of a conflict with my medicine and my job. I mean, I don't tell everyone that I work with that I have a dream interpretation podcast because some of them would think that was very strange. And it's not quite in the same world for doctors to believe in science and logic and reason and in the unconscious and dream interpretation. So I think that judgmental boss represented part of me that was like, is this really okay? Are you really going to try to be a doctor and a woo-woo dream interpretation person? Um, But yeah, clearly I am. And it's going pretty well so far. And I'm still having fun with it. So I'm glad that I went through all the birth pains and went from feeling neutral about having my baby to wanting to protect it. So that's the show for this week. Stay tuned for another mini-sode to be posted on Monday. And then next week's long episode is going to be about how dreams really give us a freeze frame or a state of the union image about what's really going on in our psyche right now at this very moment. Head on over to my website at stuffofdreams.fireside.fm to find show notes for each episode and links. Uh, You can also email me dreams or comments directly at stuffofdreamspodcast at gmail.com. If you have ideas for topics you'd like to hear me discuss, feel free to send those along. Thank you so much for listening. And if you liked it, I encourage you to tell a friend about it this week. Let's get more people fluent in the language of dreams. Bye for now. And I hope you dream tonight.